All right, welcome back. Riley, I'm specifically talking to you who missed last week's show. Welcome in to From College to Combine. I'm your host, Michael Cipolli, joined by my co-host, Riley Millette. How's it going? We missed you last week. Yeah, I was in uh, I was in Atlantic City getting busy last week um, covering getting basketball. Busy. You know, getting busy covering basketball, but, you know, we're back. And, you know, I'm ready to talk about some baseball. I brought this with me just in case I needed it. So um, we can do we can do some of that. You're you're on the wrong show if you want to talk about baseball. No, no, I'm no... in the right place. I'm in the right place. Okay, fine. Then I'll, I'll bring it up right now. So Tom Brady's back. How is his swing? Like, how likely? How many Ks is he going to get? You know, Tom Brady's swing. You know, you can you can kind of judge these things based on his golf swing, right? And he got bodied by Aaron Rodgers in the match. You know, he Aaron did. Rodgers and uh, Bryson DeChambeau versus Tom Brady and Phil Mickelson, and they got totally clapped. So I don't know what that what that really says about his return. I would be wary. That's that's just me. Okay, so you hear to hear, heard it here first. We're already a minute 15 in, and we are off the rails. So welcome back to the show. I know last week we took a little detour in itself because of all the breaking news with the Russell Wilson trade, with Aaron Rodgers' extension, the Carson Wentz trade. A lot of change. We took a step back from the schedule. We're back on track this week. This is also pre-recorded. So everything that happens on Wednesday, we are – we're taking a little bit of a guess. So when Deshaun Watson becomes a Carolina Panther, we can confidently say DJ Moore right now is a dynasty wide receiver, you know, wide receiver one, top five probably. But, you know, that's probably getting ahead of ourselves. Right, Riley? I'm trying to analyze where he might end up. That's probably where I would guess. Um, uh, Robert Mays and, and Lindsey Jones did their uh, the, athletic show, the Athletic Football Show podcast today and said that um, – you know, the Falcons joined the sweepstakes for Deshaun Watson, probably just as gamesmanship to drive up the price for the Saints and the Panthers, who are in the running, uh, two of the bigger players for Deshaun Watson, which I thought was uh, pretty interesting. So that'll be uh, something to monitor in, in the coming days. Um, some free agents still to sign. Allen Robinson still has a sign. Jarvis Landry's a free agent now. Um, See, again, again, Riley, you're saying Allen Robinson hasn't signed, but this morning he just signed with the Kansas City Chiefs. Again, you're giving me a blank stare, but this is pre-recorded. I'm calling my shot. No, he's going to sign with the Panthers. I mean, not the Panthers, Patriots. He's going to sign with the Patriots. Patriots just freed up some space. It's not even funny. So we can get out. Well, again, we're already off the rails. So before we jump into what's going on, we're going to break down the rookies of the wide receiver group on this year's class. We're going to do that later. Break down our wide receiver 10 through 6. couple honorable mentions. But, you know, from college to combine, that is what we do. From campus to combine as well, you know. So, before we get into that, let's jump into free agency. Because a lot happened yesterday. And like I said at the top of the show, the biggest news of the day wasn't even a free agency. It was Tom Brady coming back. Now, that, that's really status quo, right? We're not changing all too much because we we could just project them how we projected them last year. Uh, a couple O-line changes. We, I know you were texting me, getting a little bit worried. Alex Kappa leaving. Um, remind me on who else left. Ryan Ryan, no, Ryan, Ryan Jensen extended. Um, oh, um, um, it was um, Ali Marpet. Ali Marpet retired. retired. That's right. um, so a couple changes there, but they did trade a fifth for – Shaq Mason, because Bill Belichick would rather pay Nelson Aguilar and Johnu Smith than pay Shaq Mason. So, all in all, I think we are both in agreement that the Bucks will be perfectly fine. Yeah, probably. I mean, they're we're we're getting to that stage where a lot of these top tier teams are going to have to do somersaults to uh, clear their books after this season, and that is even more true after they took on Shaq Mason, who I think is due something in the range of five six million next year, which is you know. Uh, a, a decent amount, not not a decent amount to be paying a guard, but you know, with it's a step down from what they had last season, going from uh, you know that top three offensive line they had to what they're going to be going into this year, which will again be something to monitor uh, based on whether or not they re-sign Leonard Fournette and based on uh, what happens with their receiving core um, with that healthy Chris Godwin, uh, Mike Evans is returning, and now Russell Gage coming to town. Yep, and Shaq Mason carries a $7 million cap hit this year, an 
million cap hit next year, but it's it's a good move for this championship ready team as they've already shown. Um, a final touch on, on this subject because we have a lot to get into. Is this is this is this the year Tom Brady falls off? Nope, nope. I no. It's simple. No, it's he's 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 not ever gonna fall off until he says out loud that he I'm about to fall off, and then he does. I won't believe it otherwise. Yeah, I, I I've given up calling my shot on this one. It just makes me look bad every single year. So, Tom did Brady you, will be. Did you do it this year? Did I do it this year? No. Did you? No, did no, you? Oh, you didn't publicly. No, like, no. Twenty twenty one, I believed. I think twenty twenty was when I started to. Well, I, I started a couple of years before that, but twenty twenty, I did definitively say I think. I think we're going to see a step back from Tom Brady right now. And then and he went out, won a Super Bowl with the box. Uh, when yeah. he joined the Bucks, um, oh, so okay. yeah, and after after that down ish year with the Patriots, and then joined the Bucks, and I was like, you know what, I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I got this. But regardless, <laughs> um, let's let's get into the signing. So obviously, a lot of changes, a lot of moves. I mean, we still have some big names out there, but James Conner returned to the Cardinals, signed a three year, twenty one million dollar deal. Chase Edmonds moved on to Miami. Uh, just touching on them since they were both in the same backfield. Now they are separate. Who is the better fantasy asset in 2022? It's an easy answer. Right now, uh, James Conner is the better asset just because he was better last year. He's on a better offense. And for now, uh, until the draft, he's by himself in, in that offense. Uh, just better offensive line, um, more productive last year. Even though I don't see, um, you know, I, I could see Chase Edmonds being a top 24 running back um, with, He's he's got the explosiveness that you that you'd want to see out of a guy like uh, Mike McDaniel's, and I am they're obviously going to add someone else to the Miami backfield, but I think he can control enough of that passing down work where he carves out a decent role. So I'm not totally counting him out. I think he'll be an interesting name, but James Conner is the winner of that backfield wing being split up. Yeah, I absolutely agree because James Conner was an RB one last year in every sense of the word as well. He was good. He's averaged over. He's always averaged over ten yards per reception, which is really good. He's deceptively a pretty strong receiver. His hands are reliable, so I think it's possible he ca- he continues to take on that third down role. But I think we're both deep down in agreement they will add someone in the draft. Um, this is not a team, you know, a team with championship aspirations that can rely on James Conner, who has never played a full season, to play a full season. Their backups being Jonathan Ward, a special teamer who got extended, uh, a little one-year extension, and Eno Benjamin, who they did not trust with an extended role last year. I think that the the Cardinals are a lock to add someone, whether it's day two or three, that's yet to be seen. Either way, James Conner is a great buy for Dynasty contenders, although I'd wait until they draft somebody so someone can just spin that narrative. And he's also a great sell for rebuilders because this is as high as the value is ever going to be. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, and, and Chase Edmonds, I think, falls into a great scheme with Mike McDaniels, uh, almost filling that Raheem Mostert role that can also catch passes. Where yes, the, the the Dolphins will add someone, but I'm I'm officially counting Miles Gaskin, non-existent. Don't even remember the name. Don't need to know it anymore. It's gone. They're going to add someone in the draft, pair him with Edmonds, and Edmonds is going to be a very good fantasy asset, probably a steal come uh, draft season in August. But, yeah, uh, we can jump into probably the biggest – not even probably. The biggest spender of the offseason was the Jacksonville Jaguars, of which I'm sure everyone, everyone's been sharing their thoughts on it, of which you can find my takes on all of day one's free agency signings at IDP, guys. I did a whole free agency live tracker, updated everything as it went. Naturally, I was writing about the Jags often. So <laughs> I haven't heard your thoughts on the Jaguars today. Uh, how, what, do, what do you think of their additions? All Everything I've heard about – these deals is, you know, the history of a deal like this. Like, when has this ever worked? When do you go out and you sign a player like Christian Kirk, who has never topped a thousand yards in his career, and who has spent the almost his entire career in Arizona as a second, third option? You sign him to a huge deal that makes him, I believe, it was the ninth highest paid wide receiver in football, and you know, say that this works and this is going to help our generational talent quarterback take a second year step. It it just doesn't work. You know, you you have to invest in an elite talent in order to help your elite talent, you know, make his progress. And 
the Jack the Jaguars just did not do that. Yeah, and Christian Kirk, you know, signed for over eighty million dollars. He is going to be almost a lot to be the most expensive wide receiver signing of this offseason. I think we both expect that. I don't think anyone's going to top that twenty one million dollars annually. Um, and if that I is the case, what happens with Devonte Adams, honestly, if if he, oh, I, I don't count Devonte Adams. But uh, aside from Devonte Adams, maybe Allen Robinson gets a bigger deal now that guys like Christian Kirk, guys like Christian Kirk, have set the market. But even in Allen Robinson's case, he's a lot older and is coming off a very tough season uh, for a free agent. So I wouldn't be surprised if he is the most expensive wide receiver of this offseason. Um, with Devontae Adams being the only caveat. Yeah, and Devontae Adams, I'm not counting because he's not a free agent. The Packers franchise tagged him full well knowing that he would be rejecting the tag just to not allow him to negotiate with other teams for anyone wondering. Um, but as for Christian Kirk, the last two leading bag-chasing wide receivers the last two yeah, offseason, yeah, of uh, you know Kenny Galladay last offseason, Sammy Watkins the year before, both crumbled and were useless for fantasy. I think this is it's going to be that trend's going to stick with Christian Kirk. As much as I love Trevor Lawrence and I was counting on a big second year leap, it's such a weird group that now also features Evan Ingram, who they also signed yesterday. They also signed Zay Jones to, for $30 million, which is perplexing to say it lightly. Um, it, it uh, I don't know. They're clearly signing Kirk to be the one, but Kirk has only been productive out of the slot. Yes, he's worked outside but he's really only been anything useful on the field and for fantasy when he's in the slot. So is LaVisca Chenault dead? Does he get traded? I Does, saw do they try Christian Kirk outside? LaVisca Chenault. I, I think LaVisca Chenault is as good as gone. He's He's been replaced, and the Jaguars still haven't even drafted anyone yet, which we were both expecting them to draft a wide receiver in the first or second round. And, you know, it's I, I texted you about this, which is – after the Patriots offseason last year where they they signed Hunter Henry, Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, Jonu Smith, and they spent a lot on those players, there was a lot of talk about how other teams were going to copy that and you know, kind of take the names who are on the market, um, sign them to be your top options, and you know, kind of throw them on the field and see what happens. And it somewhat worked out for the Patriots. Nelson Aguilar turned into a good signing. Hunter Henry's been okay. He's whoa, been whoa, 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 whoa. You said Nelson you said Nelson Aguilar turned oh, into meant, a good signing. And then Kendrick Bourne. I meant Kendrick Bourne. I meant to say Kendrick Bourne. Kendrick Bourne has been a good signing. Hunter Henry's been good when he's on the field. He led the team of touchdowns by far. You know, Jonathan Smith was a swing and a miss. Nelson Aguilar was a swing and a miss. And I didn't think teams would copy that because I didn't think it really worked out with Patriots. You know, only two of those signings we can say were good. And you dropped a boatload of money, not a boatload, but more than you expect to drop on Nelson Aguilar. And now the Jaguars are copying that. And I think some of the reason it works out with the Patriots is because they're the Patriots and they find ways to make guys work with their skill sets. And I don't trust the Jaguars to work like that. So you're, you're telling me Doug Peterson's not Bill Belichick. Now you heard it here that first. Awesome. Yes. Yeah, you you hear it here first. But um, yeah, I it's such a shame because I was all about chasing down the you know the the Jaguars option because I was really counting on the Trevor Lawrence to make the sleep because he's just that good of a player. But the Jaguars just paid eighty million dollars for a slot receiver. I do agree. I think this does push Visca out of the rotation, which ironically because he's probably the best of all of them, honestly. Um, but I think what you're going to expect to see is Zay Jones and Marvin Jones line up on the outside. You're going to see Kirk work in the slot. You're going to see Evan Ingram work in the slot occasionally, and then you're going to see him just line up and go for routes. Now, Evan Ingram is also perplexing because he does the same thing Dan Arnold does. They're, they're both – they're two of eight tight ends who lined up in the slot over 75% of the time. They do not line up inside because neither of them can block. So – now, yes, the Jaguars did go out, out and also get Brandon Sheriff, who is a great guard if, when he's on the field. Um, so, you know, they did try to shore up that offensive line, help Trevor Lawrence. That's what all this is about. But if you have to order them right now of fantasy production, what would the order be? And would any of them, are any of them going to actually be productive? Um, no, first of all, no. I don't think <laughs> any, I think Travis Etienne is the only fantasy relevant player on that team. I would go, Christian Kirk, number one, just because 
of those guys, he has the most uh, past fantasy relevance, and he has been signed to be their one. So I would go Christian Kirk number one. Probably, it's it's tough. Like you you would imagine. I don't I don't think Marvin Jones is a part of the equation anymore either. Even you know he he had a decent end to his season last year, but you don't you don't spend like, like dust. You don't spend like this if you don't trust the wide receiver room you have which means letting go of DJ Chark. I don't know if there was mutual interest in with DJ Chark. I don't know if he wanted to resign. I imagine they would have wanted to resign him over guys like Zay Jones, but let's just for the sake of reality, say that DJ Chark did not want to resign and he wanted to go somewhere else. So now you go from having LaVisca Chanel, DJ Chark, Marvin Jones. Now you're working with, you know, Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, Evan Ingram, that's just a worse room, in my opinion. It, it it just seems worse. And when you look at what the what that wide receiver room produced in their first year, I I, I don't think it's even going to be relevant. Like maybe Christian Kirk is top thirty. I don't see anyone else on that team, you know, being a solid part of your offense. Yeah, and if I have to choose one, I'll also follow the money. Um, if Christian Kirk's going anywhere before the eighth any anywhere before the eighth round i'm not going to be interested um and i think he's going to fall around that eighth ninth round range just because of the money and maybe as training camp ramps up who knows they're still a ways away um but this was this was really disappointing um and if dan arnold is behind his acl return i did i think he tore his acl dan arnold if I remember correctly um but maybe i'll take a shot on evan ingram if i truly pump the position um, it's a true prove a deal, fully guaranteed nine, nine million dollars. I could be up to 10, but yeah, the, all in all, it's just a really disappointing off season. Um, and Trent Balk should probably be fired and will be fired next year. Um, but the, the only signing I did like from the Jags was, uh, uh, I'm going to butcher the name because I, I, and it's such a shame. We're going to go for it for Um, that's can't imagine. I we said that right. Really, I apologize. You really talk about the linebacker. Yes. Yes, the linebacker they signed for $45 million out for the from Atlanta. He had over 190 combined tackles last season. He was really good for the Falcons. I think he's going to continue that form uh, with the Jaguars. He's going to be asked to be that ragey guy. The defensive coordinator was the inside was the middle linebacker coach for the Bucks the year before. So for IDP purposes, I think he's a really good target for, to keep those tackle numbers up. You know, I'm not. He's not Devin White. He's not even Levante David. But he's a rangy. He's a rangy linebacker. Who we'll get from end to end. It will help stop the run. Miles Jack is gone. They're gonna need him to take up at least 130 tackles, and that's pretty productive for IDP. But mm-hmm. we can move on to away from Jacksonville because that is enough already. I, I hope <laughs> no one even people people feel gonna clicked off. I've been fine with that because I understand. Um, where do we want to tackle next? We got time for maybe two to three more. Let's talk about, (laughs) let's talk about the Amari Cooper deal. Now that we've talked about how wide receivers Mm -hmm. make money, um, essentially the fact that Amari Cooper and Christian Kirk are making the same amount of money and the Cowboys traded him away for a fifth round pick, you know, like now that these free agent signings have happened, this deal looks so much better for the Browns. It's insane. Yeah. And I think this is a great real life deal that I'm not all that interested in for fantasy. Now, I, I broke it down in an article again, you can find the idpguys.org that Amari Cooper is a good player, but this scheme is really going to hold him back for fantasy. Where of the top eight rushing teams, or I, I think the Browns were ninth in rushing attempts. Um, so of all those teams ahead of him, in fact, Riley, give, give your take while I pull it up because I don't want to say anything incorrect. Um, so I'm going to pull it up right now. It's it's kind of in in when when's the last time the Browns had a really solid productive receiver? It was probably Jarvis Landry in, in his first year with the Browns. He was he was a good part of their offense, but you know since then they've had some decent talents come in. Like Odell Beckham has, has famously you know failed in that in that offense. Um, even though I think it's sort of safe to assume that it wasn't really his fault. You know, so I, I think I'm I'm a little bit scared away from Amari Cooper, even though I really trust his talent, and I still think Amari Cooper is a great wide receiver. You know, he's a guy that I'll wait and see what happens with him in the fourth round of Dynasty drafts, and I'll play it by ear, and based on what happens with 
um, with the Browns because they are players for Deshaun Watson as well. You know, that'll change his stock, obviously. But for now, I'm tempering my expectations even more on him because before this trade, people were starting to get a little low on based on how the Cowboys offense performed based on his age and that CD lamb was, you know, is supposed to be this big up and comer uh, that was going to push him out, which, you know, it, it seems that they did because, you know, they got rid of him and didn't want to pay him his money. But I think it's, it's tough to kind of bank on him in that offense. Yeah. And what I was looking for, because again, you can find this article, it goes way more in depth than we're going to go here, but of eight teams that finished ahead of the Browns in rushing attempts, the only, there were only two wide receivers that finished inside the top 20, and that was Debo Samuel and DeAndre Hopkins. Now, if you average all those eight uh, the leading fantasy producers for those eight teams, average it out, comes out to the wide receiver 29, 13 and a half uh, fantasy points per game. That's about where I'll put Cooper. We're in that tw- wide receiver 28 range where he's the wide receiver three, flex value. And to jump any higher, that requires Baker Mayfield to become an efficient and much better quarterback than he was in the years past, where in 2019, he was one of the best deep ball throw- passers in football. 2020 took a little step back, but was still pretty solid. Fell to earth and was awful in 2021. So what's the truth there? Where of the top 20 receivers, of Hopkins and Samuel, of that group, both those guys had quarterbacks that ranked in the top six for on-throw percentage. Baker Mayfield finished in 27th. So you're going to need Baker Mayfield to step it up in order to Mark Cooper to be anything more than a wide receiver three. And I'm not going to bank on that. So I'm going to value Mark Cooper accordingly, that wide receiver three range. The real question is, is he worth more next year than he's worth right now? I don't think he is. I I don't think he is. So that might make him a sell. Uh, While people are projecting, you know, big target volume, you know, big target share, you know, little pie, but he's got it all. I'm not all that excited about Mark Cooper, and I don't think he should be either. Um, We'll bring bring up, I think, one more person. Uh, Obviously, a lot happened. Again, check out uh, idpguys.org. A lot of content going on there um, about free agency, naturally, and dives into IDP if you're listening for that. But the last one we'll bring up is Mitch Trubisky coming to town in Pittsburgh. Of which this is, as a, as a Steeler fan and a Mitch hater, I love this deal. I love it so much. And that makes no uh, sense, but it, it does. I, I do. Okay. I'll, I'll let me, tell you why. I know you've said you don't mind having a stopgap quarterback come in. Don't say you love this deal. Don't say, oh, I'm I lo- Okay, listen. The only, thing I, the only thing I would have, honestly, you have to trust me here, where the only thing I would have liked more would have been Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson at a lesser price or Deshaun Watson, if he wasn't a terrible person, probably Um, (laughs) like allegedly Um, that's, that's, that's the problem here where there weren't good options. I wasn't, I'm not all that interested in taking a quarterback at number 24 and taking the best one available there. I, instead of doing that, the Steelers get to wait a year. They get to see what they have in Mr. Bisky, which is probably nothing. Um, but the very least, he's a mobile quarterback that offensive Matt, offensive coordinator Matt Canada really wants a guy that can operate bootleg. He wants a guy that can move. He wants a guy that can run RPOs. Ben wasn't that guy. Do that, right? Remember what happened when what? he tried to do that? He fell flat on his face. Exactly. Yeah. And that's why Matt Canada is getting another year. Yes, the offense was putrid last year. But they're giving him another chance to see his scheme with the guy that fits it. Trubisky can do that. Now, yes, he will throw turnovers. Yes, he won't probably be good for – he's definitely not good for fantasy. This is terrible for Chase Claypool because Mitch Trubisky cannot throw downfield. And this is solid for Pat Fryermuth, I think. And this is solid for Deontay Johnson, where if this this is as good as a, as a realistic could have got, in my opinion, for them. It's better than a rookie quarterback. This moves up dynasty value for everyone around. We're in 2023. This offense is going to look so much better. The Steelers have been able to afford to put money into their offensive line. They signed center Mason Cole. They signed James Daniel today, which is an amazing signing as well, who can slide in a guard or center, depending on where they end up moving people around. And they also extended Ch- Chuck Soka 4, of which I did mess up that name. But the very least, I think this is the right move for the Steelers. It's going to be a little bit ugly, but it can't be uglier than last year. That could, that's the truth. That was the one thing. 
I was waiting to talk about was rest in peace to my Chase Claypool uh, dynasty shares for now. That's kind of been really tough, but you know, let's let's just float out there for fun. What if if the Steelers were to trade a 23 first to move up to number 10 and draft Malik Willis? Would you have rather done that? Have Malik Willis maybe start Mason Rudolph for the season if you don't think Malik Willis is ready, but I imagine he is, and I imagine you want him to be your starter. So would you rather sign Trubisky to the to the two-year deal, a very cheap two-year deal? I think it was two years, 15 million, or would you rather trade a first to for the right to draft Malik Willis? This team is not a quarterback away. Malik Sacrificing Malik Willis, where if they make that deal, I'm not all that confident in Malik Willis. Malik Willis is not ready to start in my eyes. Where I You, you think he's ready. I don't. We're going to get into Malik Willis in a couple of weeks. But listen, I, I think, yes, he's the QB one of the class for me. I do not think he's ready for NFL play. I think he needs at least half a season to step into it. And... I don't. I wouldn't be moving. This team is not a quarterback away. I think having having that first next year in a stronger class allows them more flexibility, and they can continue to address uh, needs that they weren't able to address otherwise. We're also this is a fantastic contract. This is not expensive. They can get out in a year. I watched the Giants, who I thought the Giants were going to sign Mitch Trubisky, and turns out they turn out they turn around and give more money to Tyrod Taylor. It makes no sense. This is all in all, I do support the Steelers' decision here. I don't want to ramble on because we do have to get to our top ten wide receivers. And that but that that is that is where that is where I'm at. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, you about said it all. Let's go Deontay Johnson. I have a couple shares of him. And I also have I have a share of everyone in that offense. So, you know, as you said, Fryermuth and Johnson are kind of trending up tough for Chase Claypool. Yeah. I, t- I tend to agree, but why not get into what people are really here for? And that's that's the rookie breakdowns. This is a draft show at the end of the day. Um, we're going to break into our wide receiver 10, 9, 8, 7, and 6 today. Uh, but we're going to start with a couple honorable mentions. And, wow, Microsoft Word is telling me that, that it needs to verify itself. That's Amazing and a fantastic way to start this. Microsoft Word mentioned Microsoft Word stinks. Blame blame my professors. All right. Going on record, I hate hate Microsoft Word. Who do you want to give an honorable mention for? Who just missed out on the top ten? Just missing out on the top ten on my board. uh, Christian Watson from North Dakota State. You know, he had he's one of those guys who really improved with the Senior Bowl, and I was interested to you know see what he had to do. He Measured in at 6'4", 208, I believe it was. And, you know, he's he's an athletic build and he's fast. And he's a guy that could win you some jump balls and, you know, kind of help you in real-world fantasy and real-world football. I'm not sure he's going to be a great fantasy asset just because he doesn't have that gear. He's not, you know, an elite route runner that like you'd like to see some of the top-tier, uh, you know, tall guys. He's not like Mike Evans and – you know, I think that'll that'll hurt him in the long run. But you know, he was he was fun to watch. Yeah, I'm, I mean, he tested fantastically, uh, fantastically. That's not a word. But Christian Watson is an exciting guy. Where he's he's a he's a he's a huge Debo Samuel in the way that he gets the ball, he makes something happen after the catch. It's it's very interesting on how North Dakota State used him. He does finish outside my top ten as well just because I feel like he's more of an athlete. His routes really aren't there. Um, I, I I think a creative coach can find a way to use him. Where you, you know who he kind of reminds me of? And I don't know if you're going to even understand this reference, but he understand, He reminds me a little bit of Jalen Hurd. Kind of Jaylen the big Hurd. body. Wow. Jalen Hurd. You remember Jalen Hurd? Oh, yeah. uh, a big body wide receiver that, you know, Jalen Hurd was not as athletic in my opinion, but. You know, he, he was an avid blocker. Christian Watson's a good blocker. Christian Watson is a guy that the right system could work him in well. But more often than not, I think he's going to crumble just because he's not as polished. He's going to take time. And I don't know if he gets the draft capital to get that type of care and investment that a team needs. Like, I, I project him as a day day three pick. Um, I, I, th- I think you probably – do you feel the same way? Day three, yeah. Yeah, he'll be, he'll be a day three pick. Yeah, uh, but is there any other honorable mention? I'll, I'll throw out one more name for an honorable mention. 
Uh, Jalen Tolbert finishes right outside of this, and that feels wrong given how how effective he was at Southern Alabama. It's also Southern Alabama, which I did have to knock him for a little bit, but he had he had one of the better dominators of this class at over forty two percent. That's the eighty six percentile. He commanded a thirty two and thirty two and a half percent target share. He was this entire offense, which again makes sense. Um, but at six three one ninety five, it's he's an interesting guy that just fell a little bit out of my rankings. But he he is the biggest person on this list that if he some if he gets day two capital, which I don't think is impossible, I might jump right back on the ship. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, that's fair to say about him. Another another guy that I think might be worth mentioning here is um, Justin Ross. He's kind of been picking up some steam uh, with the Twitter heads lately, and you know he was a guy who suffered from uh, injury, and that really hurt his draft stock. And he also had a pretty unproductive year in his final year at Clemson. But you know he he was a guy who kind of popped off the tape when we were watching Trevor Lawrence, and um, he's you know about the same size. He's six four two oh five, same size as Christian Watson. So that'll be interesting to see. And uh, he, he fits that same mold as well, where he'll have to fall into the right place. But I think he tested well enough where a team might roll the dice on him, and we'll see what happens with that. Yeah. And, yeah, we, we'll, we'll dive right into it on that, honestly. Um, so I, first name I want to bring up, my number 10 wide receiver. I'm not. Exa- I honestly haven't talked to you about where you ended up breaking him because we kind of are a little bit all over the place, a little bit. But – Someone I, I looked at today, and I'm going to do a draft profile for him in the rookie mag for IDP guys. Alec Pierce out of Cincinnati is somebody that I really enjoyed watching. Like Al, like he's an athletic guy, but he doesn't, he hasn't shot across the board. He feels like that should have shot up. He had a great senior bowl. He had a pretty strong season out of Cincinnati. He's a huge guy at six three two thirteen, but he also ran a four four one. He's I, I really do like Alec Pierce where he's he, – no, he, he didn't dominate. His dominator is low. He didn't command everything. That was kind of the norm in Cincinnati, which spread the ball around a lot. But the bottom line here for me is that Alec Pierce is a guy that could definitely see day two capital, and he's a really great athlete that projects well to start on the outside. And I think he could also slide into the slot. My only question mark is his yards after catchability. He wasn't asked to do that. I think he has the ability to do it, but, you know, time will tell. What, what, what do you think of Alec Pierce? I'm allowed to say the same thing about Alec Pierce I've said about the last two guys, but he's a good athletic build, 6'3", 210. He ran a 4'3", 3 at the Combine, which is, again, you know, a good enough athletic um, ability for a team to take a shot on him. Uh, he was – He, he ran was a – sorry. Sorry, he, he ran a 4 for one It was 4 through 3 unofficial. Four three three unofficial. Okay. Four four so, one still, which is still a very good time. And he also had the best vertical of the wide receivers at 40 and a half inches. Yes, that's true. So, you know, that that'll that'll be interesting to see. It, he's he's a guy who I'm I'm not totally on. He just didn't pop off the tape to me. Um, which is interesting because we were watching it's the same team as Jerome Ford and uh Desmond Ritter, who are two guys that I'm a lot lower on. So you'd imagine I'm kind of trying to look for a little something there to cheer me up, but you know, he, he didn't really do it for me. I can appreciate his athletic ability, but you know, it's, it's, he's kind of just there. Yeah. I, I think he could be a real starting at, at, uh, receiver on the outside. I think he's definitely built for that where he is, excuse me. Um, You know, he, he's, he gets up and gets that his high point ability is he, he'll find the ball up there and he'll rip it out of someone's hands. I, what I want to see a little bit better, if he could work in the handwork a little bit more, where he fights through the contact really well because he's a bigger guy, but I'd like to see him swatted down a little bit more. Um, but he's he's someone I really I really did enjoy, and he can get downfield really quick. Like What I don't like about someone we're going to get into, um, or so someone we're not going to get into, Valus Jones, for, ex- for example, um, out of Tennessee. Very fast guy, number 240 time. Does, had a terrible burst score. Alec Pierce had one of the best per burst score, 90-something percentile above that. I think it was 96 for both speed and burst. He gets downfield in a hurry, and he, he averaged over 17 yards per reception. I, I, I really do think he, he reminds me of a, a – Oh, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get ripped apart for this. But you say yeah, that's not a good you say that way too much. Like that's not a good thing when you say that. He reminds me of 
a if I want him to add a little bit more muscle to his frame, but I think he can be a Mike Evans type of guy. That's what he reminds me of a little bit. He's a lanky guy that goes up and gets it. He is a better route runner than people give him credit for. He really is. Every single profile is overusing the word deceptively good. At that point, he's he's a good route runner. You just don't think it when he's someone that big. Um, but that that that's as much. Any final thoughts on Alec Pierce? Because I I, I do like him. I want to see him get day two volume before I totally plant my flag. Uh, day two draft capital. But any other thoughts on Alec Pierce? No, I think I think you said it all. And with that being said, I, I want to talk about a guy who I kind of liked. You know, obviously I liked a little bit more, but was was really interesting to me when I watched the tape on him, and that's David Bell uh, from Purdue, who I have ranked number ten. Um, we're going to talk about him as if number nine. That's our that's our consensus. But you know what what I wrote down for David Bell was, or what I saw a lot of were Rashad Bateman comps, um, which was you know he's. He's a nice build. He's 6'2", uh, I believe he's 6'2", 212, yeah. Um, and, you know, he kind of did, did everything like Rashad Bateman. He was used a lot in the screen game. He was used a lot as a blocker, which he was, you know, decent at. And he had he showed decent yards of catchability. Uh, I watched the Notre Dame game, which was uh, one of the more prominent ones. And even against that uh, Notre Dame defense, he, he was running some guys over. Um, he was decent as a blocker. He was – flew it off the line of scrimmage and he's a guy I'm, I'm interested to see. I wouldn't be surprised if he were a day two pick. And, you know, I, I think he, there's a route for him for NFL production. Yeah. And I think that's a common trend with a lot of these guys we're going to talk about in this one where it's a deep class, but we have the range of outcomes with these guys is really wide where we could all totally see them being second round guys and we could all totally see them being fifth round picks. Like, I think the range for a lot of these guys falls, and, and that does change fantasy value. As much as we like to talk about before, where if teams aren't going to invest in them, then we have to adjust. David Bell is a guy that started off in the process really high up. He's a fantastic guy to watch on film. That catch against Notre Dame, where he's getting dragged down through the contact, goes up, snags it, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Tested horrifically at the combine. He's not a good athlete. He ran a four-six-five. Um, in the 40, his speed score was in the 30th percentile. His burst was even worse worse in the 20th percentile. That worries me. Where he is a really good route runner. He will he can run them all. He can work in the slot. He can work outside. But I do I, I do worry about his ability to create enough separation without that athleticism and to make something happen on the next level when you are really relying solely on technique. And I like to have a bigger blend of that. With someone like David Bell, who I, I he he's neck and neck with Alec Pierce for me. Um, that's the type of example that he he you know draft capital. He did break out at 18 years old, which is fantastic. Uh, which is part of why, part of why everyone really likes him. I, I I have my reservations about him. He's a fun guy to watch on film. The testing over the last month had not been kind to him. It'll be interesting to see if a team still takes a shot on him. Yeah, and if 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 I were a team, I would. I I trust what I saw on film with his contested catchability, which is a, a trait that's kind of been thrown up in the air lately on whether or not you should trust, uh, based on what you see in college. But and I'll I'll roll the dice on him. I I really liked what I saw from him. His his technique, um, as a as a physical receiver was really solid. Yeah. Um. And without further ado, let's get into our next guy. Now we have a bit of a break in our rankings here, where. I'm much lower on this person than you are, I think. I, I, now, I, I could be wrong on this, but consensus, how it fell up, fell out, was John Mechie comes in as, as our wide receiver eight, if I'm reading this chart correctly. Is that, is that how it is? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so that that is how we have it. Where John Mechie out of Alabama, someone I really enjoyed, um, you know, when he was making his strides as a sophomore, he, it just – it. I, I really want to like John Mechie, and I just couldn't. So you're going to have to explain to me. John Mechie falls as my wide receiver 11. He's much higher for you to make it up here. I think he, in consensus he falls closer to 9 than he does 8. But Yeah, I have him ranked number 8. Um, yep, and I have I have Sky Moore here, who well deserves a honorable mention. And yes, you know, yeah. we, we can talk about him maybe a little bit at the end because he's a really great route runner. But John Mechie. Mm-hmm. Brian, tell me, tell me why I should like John Mechie more than I do. I think um, you know all of this is is really contingent on his injury, of course. 
But uh, what what I saw from from John Mechie, um, when we were watching, you know, Devonte Smith and Jalen Waddle, we were looking at John Mechie and we were saying, "Wow, that's a guy I'm going to be really excited to watch." Last year, you know, he was blowing the top off um, off offenses. Um, the The catch with him is that his route tree isn't super advanced. You know, he doesn't have the uh, quick change of direction that some of the other uh, guys we're used to seeing from Alabama can do. Um, and I think uh, the reason a lot of guys are, are scared away from him is the injury. And, you know, we didn't get a whole lot of great numbers from him in combine season. But, you know, I'm I'm still kind of buying into the um, the fact that he was at Alabama for so long and he was a part of their offense alongside guys like Smith and Waddle and, I think it speaks a lot of volumes about him that he was able to establish himself so strongly when he was surrounded by so much great talent. And what what I'm worried about is it's it's only part of it. He is coming off a torn ACL that he suffered in December. That is that has to be mentioned as at least a small red flag that could bump him down in the process. He was immediately over to, instead of like the problem here is that instead of continuing that arc he was on. He immediately got over oh, – James Williams transferred and immediately stepped in ahead of him. I wanted John Mechie to be the one. John Mechie should have commanded more on that offense than the 17% dominator they end up getting. 18% target share in a Bryce Young-led offense. Like, he was he was relegated. He wasn't – he didn't take the charge that Alabama receivers that are good took. Like, that. that's my worry with John Mechie, where he averaged two, two yards per uh, team pass attempt, which – is abysmal number for those people who don't know it um, in 2021. That's that's brutal. Um, I, I do expect him to make a good recovery from the injury. I think he is still you know, he's still a young guy. He'll be 22 come week one. Not even I think. Um, so he's you know it's it's not impossible. But I really needed to see more out of John Mechie than I saw. And he's the type of guy where even if he does get draft capital, I kind of think I'm going to be hands off. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't blame you just because of the injury. I I imagine that that would be the only reason he falls in the draft. And you know, as we see guys every year uh, falling for for injuries, but you know, I I saw plenty where you know he was able to you know find find open spots in the defense, which is a, a trait that I value quite a lot when it comes to wide receivers. Is uh, how smart can you run a route? You know what I mean? And he he was one of the guys who kind of embodied that. So. You know, that's a trait that I, I trust uh, moving on to the NFL. And I think uh, based on what happens with his injury, um, there will be plenty to look forward to. Yeah, I, I, I wish he was a better downfield threat than he ended up. Like, obviously, he's a good downfield threat. He's, you know, he's John Mechie. He's very fast. It's, it's no surprise there. But against more physical corners, he did get bodied outside of the – messed up his routes. It, it, I just wish he was a little bit more well-rounded where I, I think Alec Pierce was a better downfield threat um, than John Mechie was. And that doesn't feel right given the offenses that they were in with Cincinnati versus how Alabama runs their offense. I, I, I wish I saw more out of John Mechie, but that's neither here nor there. We can get to another guy where we actually have a tie. These guys average out to be the same of our rankings. I'm going to put this guy first just because I think we are more excited about the guy ahead of him, even though we do have them both equally ranked at the moment. Jahan Dotson out of Penn State is a guy that is an analytical dar darling, uh, terrific dominator at over 42%, terrific target share, commanded over 28% of Penn State's targets. He broke out as, at 20 years old. He averaged 17 yards per reception. Fantastic, honestly, uh, across the board. I don't know what it is with John Dodson that I can't get my total head around. Where I, I, I like John Dodson, but I could not totally push it through. You know, I what what I saw with John Dodson was he was he was so electric, man. In in a tough conference playing tough competition, uh, he he really had that um, you know the the jolt of you know the the quickness and and the agility that you know a lot of teams are going to invest in heavily. And I would be, I I've seen Jahan Dawson talked about as a first round pick for a while. That's kind of cooled off. Mm -hmm. And now he's, you know, a, kind of a high second round pick. And when you're going to get draft capital like that, um, I mean, unless something, something crazy happens, he's going to be drafted at least at the very lowest in the top half of the second round. And 
it's really tough not to invest in guys when that happens. And I think he's uh, different from a guy like Rondell Moore. He's bigger. Uh, 5'11", oh, yeah. is what we have for Jahan Dotson. I think Jahan Dotson was used in a much better way than Rondell Moore. He was used as a downfield guy. He showed off some contested catchability when he was you know, up against cornerbacks who were more his size. And I think even when he's not up against corners his size, if you were if an NFL team were to try to press him at the line, which he's susceptible to, I think he was able to use his quickness to separate himself from the bigger, more physical corners. Yeah, and I I I I started off too too low on John Donson than I actually am. Where he he is explosive, like you can tell with his vertical, he gets up for balls. He'll high point it well. His routes are. He does not waste steps in his route, which is a really underrated uh, trait in wide receivers, especially coming straight out of college. He had really poor quarterback play at Penn State because it's Penn State, and he's always been productive. He has over 2,000 career receiving yards already, and he's just really good enough for the catch too. He's a well-rounded receiver that what knocks him down to the 6-7 range is that he's not very physically imposing, so he will – like. What I what I think his ceiling is, which is a good ceiling, is Deontay Johnson. Like I think that's well within his realm of outcomes. I think he could do that, but he he will have to be the most polished route runner to, you know, make the space that Deontay Johnson is able to create. Where Jahan Dotson creates space, he'll catch it and he's gone. Or he'll he'll make one guy miss and he'll make five yard turn to ten. Like he could be a total PPR guy. I really do hope he gets a draft investment because he could be so exciting. If he get if he goes to the right spot, mm-hmm. yeah, totally agree. I'm I'm excited to see what happens with Jahan Dotson, and I'm 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 I've, I've bought into the process with him. Yeah, and our final guy here, wide receiver six, George Pickens out of Georgia. Now a guy that a guy that was really touted as a top three potential guy and entering last season, he obviously ends up a little bit short of that. I think consensus this is probably about where he ends up, maybe even a little bit lower. Um, but we, we both really like George Pickens in our process where he does a lot of things really well. He's a big guy that is effective after the catch. He is explosive. He's fast. He does. He really doesn't have too many weaknesses to his game. Um, do you want, do you want to start off? Because I'm, I'm going to quickly pull up a few good mm-hmm. notes. I wrote down on him. Um, go for it. I, I, I really did. His, his tape does pop off. Yes, it, it really does. And he has the spectacular catchability that you cannot teach to to guys who are coming out of the draft. You know, he's making laying out catches. He's, you know, grabbing balls from right in front of guys' faces. And that is the type of thing that I put a lot of stock into with these sort of guys is that they can make catches that other guys can't, whether or not you think you can teach it to them. It's It's instilled into him, even though, you know, he's – I thought he could use a little bit of bulking up. 6'3", 195 is what he measured in as, measured in as maybe you can attribute that some to a torn ACL, which he suffered. But you know, I'm I'm all about him. He's a, a good route runner, especially for his size. He's got good hands. He can make all sorts of catches. I think, as you said, you know, there are there are so many things that he can do. Yeah, and I I, I the good hands is really he did not drop. He does not. He did not drop balls in 2021. Um, I, I also lost track of how many times he. I had to just put my hand to my head on the body control catches on diving. He had so many diving catches, diving catches that were just man. so fun to watch. He was laying out. Think of that. Yeah, he, he was laying out. Now, like I, I, I think he he is my pick for the guy that gets random, not random, but surprising late day one capital. Like I, I think George Pickens is the guy that can slide into that day one, and we be. I people will the general masses will be surprised, but he's the guy that I think could do that. Where he has wide receiver one potential. I I project him as a wide receiver two working on the outside. Um, and part of his knock is that I don't think he can work in the slot. I don't think that's in his wheelhouse. Um, but he's really well rounded on the outside. He ran a lot of different routes. He has, as I mentioned, had great hands. He also had really good sideline awareness. Where I consistently saw him try to get a knee in. He tries to get two feet in. It's a nice thing that translates immediately. Uh, there's not going to be much adjustment there. And he high points the, the ball better than anyone in this class. Um, so I, I am really excited about George Pickens. The one knock I had on him was, you know, a lot of people have this, is that Alabama game where he starts off, he has that 50-yard reception, diving 
right out to get it when the safety safety drops in. He beats him inside. He goes up. After that, totally catchless, blanketed in the national championship. It's not what you want to see. Um, and I, that's why he's down here at wide receiver six, because you want to see him beat those top guys. But still very impressive. Still someone I'm very excited about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all that. So, so that is our wide receiver 10 through 6. Uh, I'm going to read them off right now. Alec Pierce, at wide receiver 10. Uh, David Bell, wide receiver 9. John Metchie, wide receiver 8. Jahan Dotson, wide receiver 7. And George Pickens, wide receiver 6. Special shout-out to Sky Moore, who is right on the edge of this. Pretty much the wide receiver 10 for Riley, wide receiver 11 for me. I'm not low on him in the slightest. He's a great route runner. A little bit undersized for my liking. Made for the slot, limited upside, but type of, another type of guy that fits in this category of if he gets capital, we'll talk about him a lot more. So are there any of these guys that you, if you can sign one of them right now, since we're running long, one of them to a location, what team would you assign to these guys? Because I think I, I'll hold off. Where, where would you match one of these guys? Give me George Pickens as a Nikhil Harry replacement in New England. Uh, which you know, I'm, I know I'm a homer that New England is, is my team, but I think that makes a lot of sense is give Mac Jones a receiver he can trust to go up and get a ball who has a larger catch radius than a lot of guys he's been working with. And I, I think he would, you know, kind of help to wash some of the taste out of Mac Jones in the Patriots mouth about how really bad Nikhil Harry was. Yeah, that's a fair one. I'm going to give a uh, I'm going to give shout out to my guy Al Pierce. Where I hope he does get that. I hope he gets day two capital. And I hope he ends up on the Titans. I think that is a perfect spot where he can he his mold is very similar. He's he's not Julio Jones, but he would play a similar role in the offense to what they wanted Julio Jones to do. And I think he would pair incredibly well with AJ Brown, where you got two huge guys on the side outside. I think you could even work out Pierce in the slot potentially um, if they if they choose to do that, slide him in there a little bit more than A.J. Brown could. But I, I think he lands there with third-round capital. That would be a fantastic spot, even in a lower-volume offense, to get immediate starting time. And the Titans will add somebody because that wide receiver room is not good enough. A.J. Brown is prone to missing time. I think Al Pierce is a guy that can slide in right there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, that is our show. So thank you guys for tuning in. I hope there were no big signings this morning that we really <laughs> want, really missed. Um, again, you can follow me at Michael underscore underscore Sicoli, two underscores. You can follow Riley here, Riley underscore Millette. I encourage all of you guys to check out For Frequency's Sake on YouTube and Anchor and StreamYard and all streaming platforms for some amazing podcasting con- content. And for all fantasy uh, articles, videos as well, IDP guys is your follow on Twitter. Across all, IDPguys.org is where you can find a lot of my own stuff, myself, some great stuff. Also, it's a lot of YouTube content. Uh, content. I just released a video on Brian Dable this morning and the impact that he has on the Giants. So a lot to check out. Um, and we'll be back next week to talk about the top five wide receivers of this class and also break down the rest of free agency. I'm excited. Any final words from Ryan Millette? Baseball bat. I've been holding this the whole time. It's been right here. I've been holding it. Great. I'm glad we can end on a football note. So thank you guys for listening. (laughs) Have a good night. If you're listening at night, have a great day if you're listening in the morning. So have a good one. We'll see you next week.